Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, I'm Chris Penwell from ActiveQuest. And I'm Joseph Yaden. We are a video game podcast that takes a deep dive into the news, covering the latest gaming trends and stories pertaining to the industry. We also do our best to cover the most recent games and like to have an ongoing discussion with the audience. You can contact us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow or via email at activequestpodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. We appreciate you listening, everyone. And now, on to the show. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah, you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com slash Arcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small such as our $1 tier to show your support. Or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Arcast. Thanks for helping us and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 195 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a man who is more of a tetro-me-yes than a tetro-me-no, Robert Workman. Well, you know, I don't say no to fun, unlike certain streamers out there that think games should be taken seriously. So, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, so Tetris, yes. Like, Tetris, tet- yes. I don't know how it works. Looks, it's just Tetris. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, guys, uh, as you guys know, there is a big 35 years of Tetris panel happening at PAX East, along with my buddy David on the panel there. I unfortunately take care of stuff behind the scenes, but it is going to be an amazing panel. And with us is the person who will be headlining it in a custom Tetris suit, nevertheless. <laughs> Our good friend uh, from Indie Obscura and Greenlit Content, Morgan Shaver. Hey, Morgan. It's going good. Uh, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to the uh, to the panel. I got the suit tailored. It's ready to go. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be good stuff. Is it actually tailored this time, too? <laughs> yeah, no, it's tailored. Like, I took it and they fitted it to me, so it's completely ready to go. That's Seriously. amazing. <laughs> She's going to be yeah. wearing it all weekend. You can't miss her on the show floor. Be like, there she is. And the dashing Tetris suit. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> dashing is right. That's for sure. Yeah. Very dashing. Very dashing. Uh, so we're really glad to have you on here, Morgan, because we know that you're a big Tetris head for sure. So uh, you know, th- definitely like the perfect person. I feel like to, you know to talk about all things Tetris. Uh, but first, we want to get into some news, and there's definitely quite a bit of news to cover here. Uh, starting off with some sad news from our friends over at Pink Gorilla Games. Uh, so the last episode we had uh, Kelsey Lewin on here. It was me and Kelsey uh, talking about the Wonder Swan. And um, shortly after that, like something, you know, like a couple of days, I think, like after that, uh, their store got broken into. So like their stores over in Seattle, Washington, it's like a world famous store. 
and um, you know, like the person who broke in basically uh, stole some high value uh, targets. Um, and I believe um, I remember Kelsey originally put put up like a tweet basically saying I hate Seattle. I've heard just like yeah. pictures basically of like the break in. Uh, but then she also like posted up pictures too of like the Wanda Swan collection, how the person who stole stuff basically like left those alone, and and she basically made a joke that like oh this person clearly has no taste. <laughs> so uh, at least she was able to make like a bit of a joke on it, but. On the plus side, it does seem like that they have uh, nailed down who the perpetrator was, according to Cody, who's like the other owner of the, uh, the store there. So Yeah, and what's interesting here is that this perpetrator attempted to trade in video games with some of their friends down the street. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. And apparently their name is, name is Jacob, because there was a picture taken by Cody uh, saying, like, Jacob was here next to the broken door. <laughs> uh, this is their main location, by the way. They have a smaller store as well, but this is their uh, main location in Kirkland, I think. But, I mean, there's just too many signs that these people just weren't the greatest uh, geniuses when it came to robbing a game store. So. Robbers generally aren't the smartest lot. <laughs> no, they are not. So, I mean, hopefully the culprit is caught soon. Because if anybody, you know, deserves to be smacked inside the head, it's anybody who tries to rob Pink Gorilla Games. They're, like, one of the most noteworthy brands out there. And we've had Kelsey on our show a number of times. We had Cody on our show mm-hmm. uh, for an Arcast Mini as well. So, I mean, these guys are, are great gamer people, and they do not deserve to be robbed in any extent. So, no, absolutely not. Jacob, you've had it. Yeah. Uh, so, Morgan, I don't know if you've, like, visited Pink Gorilla or if you know, like, the Pink Gorilla crew over there. I have. So, last uh, last year for PAX West, I took some time to go visit the uh, Pink Gorilla. So, I visited the smaller one, and then I visited the larger one um, just to look at some games. I was looking for some Tetris games, actually. Of course. And they didn't have what I was looking for. But, yeah, really cool stores. And it's it's crazy to hear that they were robbed by someone who would leave their name uh, on yeah. the wall. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, although, like, the plus side, though, is um, after they did, like, um, announce the robbery on Twitter, there was an outpouring of support, obviously, like, from a lot of people and, like, you know, people, like, offering to uh, replace any of the games or, like, you know, consoles or whatever else has been stolen, basically. Uh, so it is really cool to see that the community really rallied around and, uh, you know, just kind of showed that support, really, for both Kelsey and Cody there, so. Yeah, I mean, not, I don't know what's going on. Like, Kinsey, uh, who was also on our show, Kinsey Burke, uh, over there, part of the Metal Jesus Rocks crew, somebody broke in her mailbox and stole, like, a couple of her things as well. Jeez. Uh, I, I mean, criminals, you know, come on, guys, be cool to us, okay? If you're, if you're going to rob anybody, make it somebody that owns a yacht or something. I know, get we're your shit gamers. together, Seattle. <laughs> we're just gamers, you know? We don't, we barely have enough as it is. Please, rob, rob somebody richer. Right, exactly. Or don't rob anybody. There, how about that? That's more... That that, that might be the know. better thing to go with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not to cheer on criminals. Go rob someone else. <laughs> Just leave me alone. Let me have my food. Don't steal my jello. Right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but one thing that someone thankfully hasn't robbed is a playable build here of StarCraft Ghost. Uh, so apparently... Uh, this leaked where uh, there's like an actual playable build here of StarCraft uh, Starcraft Ghost. Uh, it was like first shown off by uh, Museum of Play curator Andrew Borman on Twitter here. And uh, so, you know, he like showed off some some like screenshots uh, from like the footage. And there's also like video obviously for it as well. Um, and it really does remind me how much I really wanted this game to come out. Because I remember seeing this on, I think it was like official Xbox magazine, I want to say. It was like on the cover, I believe, for it. And I yeah. just remember seeing it. I was just like, wow, this looks so freaking cool. Because... This was uh, after Perfect Dark, and I remember I was kind of starving for, like, another Perfect Dark-style game, like, where he plays, like, a female protagonist, like, in a sci-fi setting and all that. This really scratched that itch, for sure. Uh, It's, like, a third-person shooter in this case, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, it looked really, really cool, and I just... I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of crossing my fingers. Maybe Blizzard kind of sees this and be like, hmm, maybe we should revisit this at some point. This reminds me of Star Fox 2. 
because Nintendo had Star Fox 2 finished, ready to go, right? But this came at the end of its generation with Super Nintendo, and it was moving into Nintendo 64, and like, well, why would we release it now? So they canceled it. StarCraft Ghost is kind of in the same boat. It came out, uh, I believe, right at the point when next-generation consoles were about to be released. And so, as a result, they decided to shelve it because it didn't live up to the StarCraft standard. But now, you know, now we have, like, this version that actually looks like it's pretty much complete. There are some glitches here and there, and it's not quite perfect, but it's highly playable. People downloaded it via the, via an Xbox SDK on modded Xbox 360 consoles. There are ROMs making the round. People are playing this, and they're posting videos, and Blizzard's not happy about it. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's out there. So, I mean, I'd like to see this get the treatment that Star Fox 2 did. Give it an official release. You know, you don't have to trumpet it up as a big AAA thing. Just release it for 20 bucks and see how many people fall over themselves to love it. Because I'm sure there's an audience out there that appreciates stuff like this. That appreciates single player games compared to me getting my butt whipped at StarCraft 2 for the 90th time. You know, I'd rather (laughs) have something that I stand a chance at. And this looks like something I very much stand a chance at. Sure, yeah. Uh, Morgan, I wasn't sure if this was like something that you were like hyped about back in the day. Um, I actually was really hyped about it. I love the StarCraft series. I love that this is a kind of a unique take on it, kind of like something I would definitely play myself. So I definitely agree. Like if they would just release it, I would play like all of it all the time. Um, yeah, so I think that that'd be cool. And there's like a huge nostalgia thing going on right now with all the remakes and remasters. And I think that that would fill in like perfect with that. Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It, like, it's just like one of those like lost titles that you know clearly Blizzard had a lot of faith in back in the day because uh, they, they you know I, I do remember them showing off like this like big like trailer like a gameplay trailer sometime like in the early two thousands and um yeah it, it's just like really cool like what they did show off and I just I don't know it, it just be like really cool again like if they if they did you know bring it out in some way or if they like finished it uh, I'm not quite sure if it was an actual like complete title like how Star Fox Two was but it definitely looks like it's far along it's, it's kind of hard to tell obviously but. Um, yeah, I don't know. It would just be neat to see this come back in some way. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it definitely wouldn't hurt to bring it back, you know, and especially now that Blizzard's still trying to win over favors of people because of mm. everything that happened with the last year in Hong Kong and all that. That would be so, a way yeah. of doing it. That would be a way of totally. doing it. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'll tell you how you win people over, David. This is how you win people over. You win people over by bringing back a nostalgic favor as a Doom mod, which is exactly <laughs> what Dude27th over on Mod B has done. They have managed to map Doom with Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Now, this was a 90s release by LucasArts, released through Konami, top-down shooter with some of the best music and gameplay I've come across in some time. Now, it's a Doom mod, and it looks pretty great. I'll be honest, I have not played it yet, but this will include a video with the, with the um, links that we have in our episode, but this this looks like a rad mod. This, this makes me actually want to get into the modding scene just to see what it's all about. <laughs> I mean, it's honestly the perfect marriage if you think about it. I mean, like, as I was like watching like the video, I was, I was like, oh my god, this is like way too perfect. Like, why wasn't this done before? Because uh, there, there was obviously like the sequel to Zombies Ate My Neighbors, and that was like another top-down shooter style game. Um, Ghoul Patrol, right? Ghoul Patrol, yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like you know, having you know having zombies ate my neighbors reimagined as like a Doom style game is just perfect, you know. Especially with like the sprites and like the way that they look, like just the way that that the game looks. But like just think of it in the first person viewpoint. Um, obviously, it's, you know, if you like watch like the video too, you'll you'll you know you'll get like a good handle of it. But it's it's just amazing, honestly. And I, I just really really wish that this was like an actual official thing. Um, Morgan, I was I was, was kind of curious on your thoughts on this too. Yeah, 
Um, I never had the opportunity to play Zombies Ate My Neighbors, but looking at the video, um, it does look really perfect because I have I have played Doom Two, and seeing the the mod bring that together, mm-hmm. uh, I mean that's crazy how modders can take this like kind of like an older game and just make it into something super cool. I mean, visually too, the style of it is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, like it's totally like Doom or Wolfenstein in that in that sense, like where it is kind of like the uh, flat two D sprites, basically, but you know, set up like in that same like you know Doom style, basically. Uh, but with Zombies Ain't My Neighbors, I mean, they already had like amazing sprite work anyway. It's just like really cool. Again, like you just kind of see that in that first person viewpoint. It's just it's just awesome. So um, we were talking like before, like before we started recording there, Morgan, about like how. Uh, the modern community just does like absolutely amazing stuff. And we do actually have uh, an upcoming episode for sure. Uh, that's going to be on like the modern community and just modded, you know, modded games and all that stuff. So definitely stay tuned for that. But this is just kind of like a little taste of what, uh, what we'll be getting into in the future for sure. The sooner we cover this, the better, because yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, another modded game that we wanted to talk about here, actually, that's been making the rounds is uh, from YouTuber uh, Kaze Amanura. Uh, or Amanur. Uh, so he basically recreated Super Mario Sunshine, but in the Super Mario 64 engine. And uh, it really does feel like it's like that next continuation, really, of Super Mario 64 in terms of its visual style, in terms of how Mario moves and acts and all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, as, you know, as, 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 you know, as Super Mario Sunshine in this case. So, um, Robert, I was, you know, I was kind of curious on like what you thought when, when you know, seeing the video for this as well. Um, watching this, it's just, it's kind of nutty how well people can do with modding stuff. I mean, keep in mind that when Super Mario 64 was built, it was not built with the kind of technology in mind that Super Mario Sunshine was. So, I mean, this is truly impressive work. My only downside is that it's Nintendo property. So obviously if he did try to do any sort of official release or anything like that, they'd shut it down like nobody's business. Yeah, they probably so, would. <laughs> yeah, but it, it looks really impressive and it kind of has me wondering like what would happen if, you know, this guy was given free reign in terms of actually making an official game, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, probably wouldn't give you know be given free reign over like a Mario game for sure. But based on what he's been able to show that he can pull off anyway, in this like D make basically of Sunshine, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him make like an original game you know, yeah. based on this. Um, you know, because I'm not quite sure like where his um, on a level of skill, I guess, like lies like beyond like just kind of like uh, slapping together like different assets or just kind of like everything's like rebuilt. I'm not quite sure like the intricacies behind it. Um, but yeah, he's definitely showing like a lot of skill in terms of like, just, you know, again, like D making games and like in this case, creating Super Mario Sunshine in this Mario 64 engine. So just really, really cool. So I've played Super Mario 64. I played Super Mario Sunshine. And I think that this is like a perfect combo of that. Cause it's kind of like what would have happened if it had come out on Nintendo 64. Mm. Um, the modding is really great too. And like, there is kind of like a demand right now, I think for Super Mario Sunshine. I saw like, I think it was last year that somebody thought it was a leak that it was going to come out. There was an image that Nintendo posted that seemed to hint at it but then it never went anywhere and mm. so i was just yeah i'm really hoping to see more of that and i think that yeah if this if this modder wanted to create even another game in this style i think it would do really well like there are indie developers who make kind of mario like games and i think it'd be really cool to have it in like a nintendo 64 style yeah and i think people are kind of like you know itching really for more super mario 64 style games for sure because uh, if you think about it, like with Super Mario Odyssey, I mean, like that reminded a, you know a lot of people of Super Mario sixty four because it, it was that you know very similar style, and that's really what gravitated me towards Odyssey really in a lot of ways, just kind of seeing it and like actually playing it too, like an early build of it, and um, I was just like, wow, this this really does feel like they're they're kind of like taking the spirit really of sixty four, and you know uh, you know obviously adding like a fresh coat of paint on it, it's like it's to- you know totally new game, all that stuff, uh, but otherwise like the nuts and bolts of it really 
did feel like it's uh, it's, it's originated from Super Mario 64 in that case. So it is really cool that more people uh, just kind of showing like appreciation really for Super Mario 64 in that case because you know I do think a lot of people you know would like to see that. And uh, the last story we have here as well is from Evercade. So Evercade announced that they are coming out with their own Atari Lynx cartridge uh, that comes with 17 games on it. Uh, so the Atari Lynx we talked about a little bit in our handheld uh, console not too long ago with Brian Crescente. Uh, but yeah, this, this is basically like Evercade uh, showing some Atari Lynx love themselves uh, with games such as uh, Scrapyard Dog, uh, Awesome Golf, Cyber Virus, Loops, and Mega Pack. So if you're a big Lynx fan, this definitely seems like the uh, the cartridge for you. Yeah, I've been hearing a little bit about Evercade here and there. It's still in the works, and it's definitely looking like it's building up steam with its um, cartridge lineup. And you know me, David. Any platform that has Boogerman is a win. <laughs> so it is kind of cool how they're getting all these different developers on board to make their own cartridges. We have, like, Namco. We have Interplay, Data East, Pico Interactive, Technos, the guys who did Double Dragon. So, I mean, there's just a lot out there and a lot of potential for this to really grow into a great retro system. So I'm eager to see uh, what other Atari stuff we get. Yeah, and uh, hopefully they come out with a Tetris cartridge as well with like a bunch of Tetris games on there so that Morgan will get on board with it too, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. She'll never stop playing it. <laughs> never. I will never sleep again. Welcome! And that's going to lead us now into the part of the show called What Are You Playing? We get some games you've all been playing or have recently beat. So Morgan, with you being our special guest, why don't you tell us what you've been playing? Uh, okay, so I have been playing a lot of Temtem recently. It's kind of like the Pokemon-like uh, MMO. Mm. Uh, really, really enjoying it so far. Um, also been replaying Tetris Effect, but on PC. Um, again, never stop playing Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> Always be Tetrising, yeah. <laughs> always Tetris. If it's not Tetris Effect, it's Tetris 99 or some other Tetris game. I'm always playing Tetris. Um, and then I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. There's going to be an indie game releasing called World of Horror. That's kind of like a Jinji Ito type oh, yeah. style. Yeah. Really, really excited for that one. Yeah, um, I played like an early build of that. Uh, I got to talk with the person actually who's making that game. And um, yeah, he literally made basically every frame of that game in MS Paint, I believe. Um, it is an amazing art style, honestly. Like it really does uh, feel like something that shouldn't have been made, but like he did. And like it just you know, really, it really embellishes that like creepy like atmosphere that the game really, uh, you know, just, you know, just like throws at you really in that case. Uh, it, you know, it, it, as you can imagine, it like it is like a horror game, but like, you know, again, it's in that MS Paint kind of style and it's it's super well done. I'm, I'm really excited for the full release of that one. Uh, so Robert, what have you been playing? I've been busy with a few games lately. I've uh, been working on Darksiders Genesis, which is a terrific follow-up in the series. Great top-down action. Really great banter between war and strife. And uh, you can play it in split-screen. Co- or, I'm sorry, you can play it in co-op, rather. Excuse me. Which is really cool. Uh, I've also been working on Zombie Army 4. This is the latest Zombie Army game from Rebellion. And it has zombie sharks. So, obviously, it's a win. <laughs> zombie um, shark. do 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 do. <laughs> I will leave this show. <laughs> do not do that, David. I, I mean, it was just right there. Facebook. It was Dude, right there. I'm lucky. You're lucky that I'm not a shark. I'm not a shark. <laughs> and, uh, okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> also got sent a new arcade one-up game this week, uh, Burger Time. It's coming out March 1st. I actually just posted a video about it on YouTube, and my review will be coming soon. But it has four different games on it. It has Burger Time, Bad Dudes, Karate Champ, and caveman ninja also known as joe and mac and it's really well done um it's got like a bat backlit uh, marquee just like the old score arcade games and uh 
it's fun to play. Um, I think the only downside is that the controls are a little complex because with Karate Champ, you needed to have the two joysticks to do all the motions and stuff. Right. Otherwise, you don't use the second joystick at all. You just use the first joystick and some buttons. But obviously, Burger Time and Bad Dudes make up for this easily. Um, and then a couple other shout outs of games I want to play here, or I'm, I'm playing uh, Vitamin Connection, which is the latest game from WayForward. It basically has these uh, two younger heroes that are going through the body of some organism fighting off these evil germs. And it's pretty spirited. It's really a lot of fun based on what I played so far. That review will be coming up this weekend. Is that a uh, puzzle game, basically? Or? Um, it's a pla- it's, it's sort of like um, a space platforming. It, you just move around the ship and you have to like avoid objects and shoot at enemies. Oh, gotcha. So okay. it's maybe like a variation of twin stick shooter with some avoidance stuff. So Cool. Yeah. Maybe that's the way to go. And then this one's right up your speed there, David. The Double Dragon and Kunio Kun Retro Bundle for yeah. Nintendo Switch. That'll be out as this show goes on. And I'll tell you, it's a great collection. Not all the games are great. I wasn't a fan of Renegade. <laughs> it still sucks. Sorry. <laughs> but the other games are a blast. And being able to play like some of these games that never released in the U.S. are pretty cool. So yeah. If you're into an uh, old school retro collection like that, which David is, you know, I definitely recommend <laughs> picking it up as well. Uh, what about what about you, David? What have you been playing? Uh, so yeah, like you, I've been playing the Double Dragon Kunio Kun Retro Brawler Bundle. Uh, yeah, it, th- this this is a collection I've been waiting for honestly for a long, long while, just because I knew that there were like a bunch of Kunio Kun games that never were released here in the states, and it's just you know, like it's just really cool that they got localized and you know that they're here and. You know they're all together like in this big bundle, and you have the Double Dragon games in there. Like it's just it's just a cool collection of games. Um, now with that said, there are a few repeats in there for sure, and you know not all the games are great, like Renegade for sure. <laughs> um, like I know with Renegade specifically, uh, there are like two versions of that. Like there is the original US NES release, and there is the Famicom release as well. Um, with that said, also uh, all, all these games are basically the NES or Famicom releases of these games. So there's no like arcade version of Double Dragon, unfortunately. That you know, the, the, otherwise that would make this this collection perfect. I feel like, um, but it is cool to have those different versions, even though, you know, of like the same game. But you know, just kind of like a little buyer beware in, in that case. So uh, yeah, because they have like the um, was it the original US and Japanese releases for Renegade, for River City Ransom, and also a Double Dragon 1, 2, and 3, and like a bunch of the sports games too from the Kunio Kun franchise. And, uh, you know, again, it's just really cool that, you know, that these games are available. And, um, you know, anyone who likes the Kunio Kun franchise or the River City Ransom games or whatever, uh, however that you see them, uh, then, uh, you know, this is definitely a collection to pick up for sure. Um, aside from that, too, I beat the uh, King Knight DLC for Shovel Knight. Uh, that was a lot of fun. It was the, the King of Cards DLC. And uh, this is the last DLC that came out for Shovel Knight. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is honestly amazing to me how Yacht Club Games have basically made, like, several, like, basically four amazing games out of one franchise, basically. Like, if you think about, like, all the DLC games as, like, their own games, which I which I personally do, because, like, they're just so different from each other, uh, but they all play so well. And it just makes me excited, honestly, to see what Yacht Club Games also has, like, up, the, you know, up their sleeve, because uh, I know they are coming out with Cyber Shadow, but that's not necessarily developed, like, in-house. They, you know, they basically brought up, like, the developer who was making that game and, you know, basically adopted them into the Yacht Club family in that case. But I'm just really curious to see what their next, like, true Yacht Club game is after Shovel Knight. So, um, yeah, they, you know, they, they did, like, an amazing job at that. Uh, and aside from that, too, I'm still playing through Final Fantasy VII on the Switch. Uh, this is basically for me to prepare myself, if you will, for Remake. Uh, remake is uh, turning out super awesome. They did come out with a trailer not too long ago with the um, basically like the intro for the game. 
And uh, it's just absolutely breathtaking. It's absolutely breathtaking, like, what it is that they're doing with that game. And it was also announced, too, that the remake is going to be basically, like, 100 gigs in size. It's just going to be a massive, beautiful game. It's just... I, I like I'm, I'm just like amazed, and I, I I'm not like this is like me coming from someone who's not really a big Final Fantasy VII fan in general, you know. Um, like I, I like Final Fantasy VII enough when I originally played it. Uh, right now I'm playing through it like a second time, and um, yeah, I just have like a newfound appreciation, I guess, like for for the game, and you know, with with the, with what the remake is doing, it honestly gets me so excited to see what other franchises they could potentially come back. I know, you know, the, that, you know, that Chrono Trigger is like the big one for me, obviously, if they did a remake of that in some way, I'd be just floored. I'd be like, I just quit everything. Like, that'd be like my, my hip hop gamer moment. Like, I quit, <laughs> you know, like there's nothing else that's going to be better than this, you know? Um, but, you know, I'll just kind of cross my fingers for that. If Final Fantasy VII Remake does well, which I think it will, you know, we'll see what the future holds with that. But good on you there, Square. So, uh, and I do have a game code here to give away. Uh, so this is a game code here for Family Tree on Nintendo Switch. So Family Tree is a pinball platform game where you'll be aiming your shots and bouncing on baddies to traverse many handcrafted levels. Twist in the air and traverse devilishly designed obstacles to rescue your children, discover secrets, and rack up score before you reach the goal. So if that sounds like a jam, definitely jump on this. Uh, Again, this is a code for Switch. The code is C05DRGWNCRC8. M4F0. Again, that's Family Tree on Switch. Enjoy. And if you do redeem that, definitely let us know at our podcast on Twitter. Welcome back to the Stage of History. And that's going to lead us into the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So I figure since we are talking about Tetris, we'll talk about the Tetris that I think probably most people have played, uh, which is the Tetris game on Game Boy. So this is a 1989 puzzle game by Nintendo. It was bundled with the Game Boy for the console's North American and European releases. It was the first Game Boy game that was compatible with the Game Link cable that allowed for head-to-head play. And Tetris creator Alexei Pajanov called the Game Boy version his favorite and very close to his original version. Uh, so Morgan, uh, what can you tell us like, about, like, um, I guess, like your first exposure to Tetris and was it the Game Boy version? So my first exposure to Tetris was not the Game Boy version. I actually played it on PC through this uh, website called Tetris Friends. Um, I had someone else who was playing it at the time uh, that sent me a link to it, and I started playing it, and then I became addicted to it. And so I started buying like every Tetris game that I could play. I still had my Game Boy, so that was the second one that I went to, and then I kind of went back in time and started doing as many Tetris games as I could play. But, like uh, the Tension game and all that, yeah. Yeah, and the uh, NES game and all of that. So really, really good stuff. Um, but yeah, just addicted to the game. And I love the competitive side of it, like the head-to-head. Uh, I never got the chance to do like the link cable with the Game Boy, unfortunately, because I didn't have a link cable, but I think that would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I got to play like the link cable like a little bit. Um, like not because I owned a Game Boy, but just because like I had like friends and neighbors around me who had Game Boys of their own, so we'd always kind of like take turns with that stuff. But uh, playing Tetris, that was definitely a big part of like just like our Game Boy like play, basically. Like it, it was like Tetris, and I think like Amazing Spider-Man was also like a big one too. But that was only because we were so determined just to beat that game because we just hated it so much. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so very complicated history there. But Robert, uh, was was the Game Boy uh, Tetris your first um, experience to Tetris at all? Nope, on the, uh, actually, uh, I played it on the NES, but before then I played it on the Mac. I remember, like, uh, playing it one time at school, 
Mm. <laughs> Believe it or not, I found like a version of it on there, and you know, my, my teacher saw it and he was like, "What the heck is this?" I'm like, "Well, <laughs> it's educational. <laughs> it's Tetris. See, so you, you use math to eliminate lines. Yeah, it's math. Use it's math. Totally yeah, math. they bought it. I mean, it works. You know, it's like, yeah, hey. it's geometry. Come on now, <laughs> <laughs> geometry. That's still kind of math. I don't. Know. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I played it on the NES before I played it on the Game Boy. But the Game Boy version got a lot of mileage. I think the only downside is like, you know, this when the Game Boy came out. You needed like a backlit sort of thing. So if I'm playing at night, it'd be like, can, can I borrow your flashlight? Right. Something. Just like a play, please. Thank you. Hold it in my teeth or whatever. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that was always a thing with like the Game Boy games for sure. But I mean, um, I mean, it, it was like such a smart move, honestly, for Nintendo to get Tetris to be like the pack-in game. Because I think they were originally thinking about having Super Mario Land be the pack-in game, which makes sense because it's Mario. Um, but as much appeal that Mario, you know, had at the time and still has to this day, Tetris just appeals to everyone, like of every age, of every, like, you know, creed, of every, like, you know, gender, whatever it may be, uh, Tetris just appeals to everyone. And, um, so yeah, that, that really like skyrocketed the Game Boy in, in this particular case. And, um, I, I still believe that, that like the Tetris, you know, even though, uh, I know the, the Tetris World Championships, uh, they use the NES Tetris, uh, for their competitions and all. Um, that, uh, the Game Boy Tetris, I think is the one that your average person, you know, kind of like remembers Tetris for really in that case. And I'd like, you know, I I know that's what I remember for, um, you know, again, I didn't own an, um, an original Game Boy myself, but I had a Game Boy Color. So I had Tetris DX and, uh, I was just all about that. So yeah, it was a really, really fun game. Not to mention that many people who had the Nintendo DS, they had the Tetris DS, which yeah. is another superb version of the game, but we'll get into that. But it just seems like every variation that came out with the with the Nintendo system, there was a Tetris alongside it. Now, lately, that trend's, well, no, technically it didn't break off. The Switch did get Tetris 99, but it didn't get it at launch. So. Right, right. It would be amazing if it was, though. <laughs> yeah, right? People would still be playing it. The Breath of the Wild, what? I'm playing Tetris. I know, Tetris, son. <laughs> I think early on, into the Switch's life, though, they did have Puyo Puyo Tetris, which is That's right. not like a oh, Tetris right. game, but it did have Tetris in it. That's yep. true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's going to lead us now into Obscura. And for Obscura, I kind of wanted to dig out a game that was Tetris-like, but not necessarily Tetris. And one that came to mind was this game that came out for the Sega Genesis in 1991. It's called Blockout. Uh, it was a game developed in Poland by an Alexander Ustazewski and Miroslav Zablocki. Well, I actually didn't mess those names up. Is Blocky in his name? Or? <laughs> Zablocki. That's his name, Zablocki. Zablocki and yeah. uh, it's a top-down Tetris. I mean, it has like Tetris-style pieces, but you can actually rotate them like six different ways and the goal is still simple you still have to clear lines but it's in a three-dimensional rectangular pit and the cool thing is you can actually see the lines in the pit so you can see where a piece is going to be positioned when you drop it on the map now while this wasn't an official tetris game i'd like to think it inspired one because years later on the virtual boy there was 3d tetris uh morgan told me about this earlier developed by technology and entertainment software and published by nintendo a 3d very variation of the game which again uses a three-dimensional playing field compared to the traditional 2d setup and you know i I think this one probably would have been more fun to play if it weren't for the fact that we were looking at really tiresome red and black graphics (laughs) so back to block out and it's full color display i guess (laughs) i mean i thought this was kind of cool this was a game that really didn't get much attention at the time because obviously it wasn't called tetris 
But I mean, it was considered to be like a variation of it that worked really well. And there were some people that really enjoyed it. So, I mean, the fact it didn't make the rounds as much as like the current Tetris as we know it today, I thought this was a curious thing that stood out. And like I said, I'd like to think it would have inspired 3D Tetris and kind of makes me wonder why we didn't really get a 3D Tetris game. I mean, aside from Tetrisphere on Nintendo 64, obviously, but that was a different variation. This just seems like Tetris if you're looking down from a different viewpoint and if you have a wider play field. Mm -hmm. I don't suppose either of you have played this game. Uh, David, have you? Um, well, I definitely have not even like heard of this game, to be honest. So, um, because I was like, I was like looking at it, it's like, huh, like I don't, I just don't remember like seeing this in any like magazine I saw or anything like that. So it, it just didn't like cross my mind, but it, it is a cool concept for sure. And I'm, I'm just kind of curious to actually play it. Like, you know, I, I could probably get it like on my SNES classic, honestly, and just kind of mess around with it there. But, um, but yeah, it definitely has me curious for sure. I know. And Morgan, have you had a chance to check this out at all? Unfortunately not. Uh, you mentioning it is the first time I have heard of it, but looking at the trail, it does really remind me of 3D Tetris. Um, and it definitely would be something that I would like to try to play because of the uh, the top-down perspective, I think gives it a kind of a unique edge to Tetris because you're looking at it from like the top of the matrix down and then, like you said, like expanded. It's It's really interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, it was fun to play back in the early 90s. And like I said, even though it has a little bit more strategy than the usual Tetris game, I just thought it was kind of neat how when you stack up pieces, you can actually see where they are in the play field depending on colors. Like for instance, the lower pieces were something like along like the red and orange, but as pieces started to stack up, they turned yellow and green. And eventually it gets to the point where you're at the top of the play field and it's like blue or something. Mm, so it gets and like cooler I, as you go up basically. Yeah, yeah, I mean, which makes me wonder, like if you're playing 3D Tetris, how do you tell what the depth is you know without getting sick and <laughs> just <Yeah. laughs> i don't know yeah well, that's a good way of doing it for sure though with like the color system they have in place there so yeah that makes sense so guys if you uh if you have a second genesis definitely hunt down a copy of this game it's uh it's pretty cool and it's also available on atari Lynx, believe it or not so there you go what's up everyone i'm chris from weekly games chat along with my co-host sean and john we cover the latest video games every wednesday for your listening pleasure we also make sure to rant about the latest movies, TV shows, and happenings in the sports world. If you like the show, catch one of our live streams on Twitch, follow us on Twitter, or even take the biggest jump of all and join our community on Discord. All found by simply searching Weekly Games Chat. Until then, I'll simply say game on in your mom's box. That's going to lead us into our main topic, which is celebrating the Tetris franchise. So I figure we'll uh, start from the beginning, obviously. So I know with like uh, you know with like Tetris, a lot of people might not know is that um, the name Tetris actually is a portmanteau of Tetromino and Tennis. Um, so uh, which doesn't really like quite make sense because you think of like tennis and if you think of like video game tennis, you think of like Pong or something like that, you know. But um, the gameplay of Tetris obviously doesn't uh, you know doesn't fall into line with that. But you know, still made for like a cool name for sure that still holds up today. Um, you know it is an export from Soviet Union as well uh, as made by Alexei Pajanov. So Morgan, since obviously you have like, you know, like a background with Tetris, what can you tell us also like, you know, just like about like the history of Tetris? It's a very interesting story. I think to me, I would consider the original build of Tetris almost like an indie game because Alexei Pajanov made it as like um, a program to test because he was a programmer to test the uh, software. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, he just really enjoyed playing it and loved playing it a lot. And then um, I believe, I think it was Hank Rogers saw it at a trade show and decided that that would be a great game for the NES and for like PC export from uh, Russia. Um, and there was a little bit of complication there from porting um, Tetris from Russia to the US and like to Japan for the release. Um, there was some like issues there. because like yeah. a rights issue, I think. Yeah, because it was the Soviet Union, so he had some difficulties with that. I was watching a Dice interview with um, Hank Rogers and Alexei Payanov where he kind of goes into, like, the complications of it, and it's kind of like a, a wild story of, you know, he he went to Russia, and then um, he was, like, needing the, the rights to it, and they're like, no. And he's like, because he'd already sold, like, a million, like, rights to it in Japan. And so mm. he was like, I got to I gotta get, I gotta get this done. But there is, if you go on YouTube, there's a Dice interview with him, uh, Hank Rogers and Alexi that's really informative I would say cool yeah because yeah, um, I know there was also like the um, uh, just like the rights issue as well because of the fact that Atari was basically kind of coming in there as well and they were they were, they were coming in there with their uh, with their other company Tengen uh, basically so uh, you know that's why you have like a Tengen Tetris with like the backwards R um, and then there's also the Tetris with which like most people know about which is the one under under Nintendo uh, which I believe um, if I remember correctly the NES Tetris actually was made by Gunpai Yokoi that's when I feel like Tetris really kind of became like a household name like with that and obviously with you know with the Game Boy version and like everyone and their and their grandmother basically was playing Tetris at that point so it's what's kind of nutty um, is how well the NES Tetris version sold but I'm kind of curious what would have happened if Tengen's Tetris had continued its role I mean it's based on the Atari game of the same name and you know two player simultaneous play I believe it's the first version to introduce a versus aspect like that I believe you're right one of of the early trendsetters for these you know for for like say Puyo Puyo Tetris which is as ultra two-player competitive as you can get Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the early version of Tetris, I, I thought it was really appealing because, you know, you, could, you have two players playing at the same time, whereas the NES version by Nintendo, whoops, Nintendo version rather, um, I was only one player. I mean, it was still great, but, you know, we like that competitive side of things. There's something about, you know, completing lines and stacking them up on your on your opponent's side or, or making them sweat, you know, be like, take that. Yeah. Now, um, Morgan, you said that you really gravitate towards like, the competitive nature of Tetris as well. Uh, did you like prefer playing that competitively as opposed to playing solo? I definitely prefer playing competitively to solo. I think that there is a, a thrill of playing competitively. Um, and like with you talking about the name of it, it's kind of like a Tetris aspect or a tennis aspect where you're bouncing back and forth, where you'll send garbage lines to your opponent and they'll send it back to you and you're kind of bouncing it back and forth and whoever's playing you know, the cleanest and who was ever playing the fastest is going to have an edge to it. And I think that, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. It's really exciting. And there's um, a drive to it, especially for me, where I just want to win all the time. (laughs) Who doesn't, you know, that's a good way to, to, you know, but I like one thing here and that's lately we're seeing more of these Tetris world championships or something along those lines, these tournaments that they air on Twitch and they're getting huge Twitch numbers. I mean, and it's like, wait, guys, you know, it's Tetris and not Fortnite. Yeah, but we like Tetris. I'm like, yeah, I, I like it too. I'm just wondering, wow, people really love Tetris competition. I mean, Tetris really gets more great. cutthroat than uh, than like Fortnite, I'd say, in a lot of ways. Really. Seriously, and it's a lot more fun, you know, and you don't have, you know, you just need to make sure you can stack 
back line's good, like yeah. Morgan. It's more fun <laughs> and fast paced as well. That's that's where it gets like really crazy when it gets like super fast and you're just trying to keep up with like you know with like your opponents, just trying to you know throw more trash their way. And that's really like where also like the appeal I feel like comes from when uh, Tetris ninety nine dropped. And uh, all of a sudden, you have, like, 99 other people you have to worry about, like, getting trash from and dropping trash on them. And, like, there's all these other, like, mechanics involved. But otherwise, like, you know, Tetris has generally always been, like, the same type of game as far as, like, how it works and what makes Tetris Tetris. Uh, so, Morgan, I, I wanted to ask you as far as, like, why do you think that that fundamental gameplay, uh, that, you know, still has lasting power today? I think it's just a really approachable concept. It's a game that everybody can understand. Um, so it's kind of like easy to learn, but hard to master. So it keeps you wanting to play it. So like you'll start playing it and you'll kind of get this the hang of it. And it becomes almost like addicting in a way where you're like, okay, now I get it. Let me try this or, you know, let me try it faster. And it's just, it's also really satisfying too. I think you get a sense of satisfaction from building the lines and then clearing the lines and then building the lines and then clearing the lines. It's just it's therapeutic like, really. Yeah. yeah it's very <laughs> Actually, like I play it that way too. I mean, it's not. It doesn't make sense to play Tetris 99 as like a relaxing thing. But for me, it does help because <laughs> I have like really bad anxiety. And so it takes my mind off whatever I'm overthinking, because now I'm just only thinking about Tetris and what I'm doing in Tetris. And oh, my God, someone's targeting me in Tetris 99 kind of thing. So it definitely <laughs> is a great distraction, too. Do you feel like that's more like transitioning your anxiety to something else? Or does it actually alleviate that anxiety entirely? For me, it definitely alleviates it, just considering that after I'm done playing around of Tetris, I had I'd forgotten about what I was anxious about in the first place. It kind of goes away. And then there are more therapeutic modes of Tetris, like marathon, or you're just playing at your own speed. Um, I think there's been a few studies, too, where Tetris helps with like PTSD and helps reduce symptoms, like a lot of different kind of things where it's, yeah, it's very therapeutic. Mm. Can you like share like some of those like stories or like, I don't know, like studies you may have like read about that or? Yeah, there was one in Time, Time Magazine, where it's Tetris can reduce PTSD symptoms, according to a study. And it's it's from the, okay, this is a hard name, Karolinska, Karolinska Institute in Sweden. Um, and they did a, a kind of a study where survivors of motor, motor vehicle accidents have less reoccurrence PTSD symptoms or flashbacks if they play Tetris within like six hours after they're admitted to the hospital or within six hours of the event. Wow. So it kind of like replaces that almost. Um, and it's very interesting. So there's been that study. There's been a couple other ones as well, like in Scientific American of just Tetris helping with PTSD, helping with trauma and reducing flashbacks. Um, and I think it also plays into the Tetris effect, where it's like if you play Tetris for a long enough period of time, you'll start to mentally visualize the Tetraminos and the game. And it's kind of a weird thing. And definitely has happened to me where if I played it for like a couple hours and I'll go to bed, I'm laying in bed, I'll just see it in my head like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> the falling I'm piece like, is coming at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'd like to think like a report like that is part of the reason why uh, Tetsuya Mizuguchi and his team at Enhance worked on Tetris Effect, just to create this sort of relaxing yet still challenging take on the game because i'll tell you there's no game like it i mean obviously it's tetris but the way that they present it with these changing backgrounds and soothing soundtracks and everything like that i mean if tetris is a relaxing factor then tetris effect you're zonked out because it's definitely <laughs> like a, 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 i wouldn't say lighter version but more of a, a carefree version it's sort of the, a game you can get entranced into i mean i can see why it's such a hit on playstation vr people get into that world and be like 
yeah, I'm playing Tetris and VR, but holy crap, this is nice. I mean, I think that's like what like is the main appeal really of Tetris is the fact that you can play it in a number of different ways, like where, you know, obviously you can't play it by yourself, but also against other people. Um, but there's also that kind of like, you know, casual side of it where you, can, where, you know, where you can set your own speed and, you know, choose like how like the game plays basically in a lot of ways, like, you know, changing around the options and all that. Uh, but otherwise, the game is still essentially the same. It's very easy to understand. But, you know, again, you can play it however you want to. You could be like as casual as you want to, slow speed, keep it at slow speed if you want to. Or you could challenge yourself like a little bit more by like having the speed like rack up or start off at a super high speed in, in, in single player. Or you can really like ramp up like the competitive edge of that uh, with like the, the, you know, with like the versus play. And certainly with like Tetris 99, that, you know, that's like, I feel like the ultimate version of that, uh, where you have to like just bat away like as many people as possible. And, um, Morgan, I have to ask you, uh, how many first place finishes have you gotten in Tetris 99 exactly? Uh, <laughs> I imagine you've been keeping score. So <laughs> I actually have lost count, and it's not to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just that good. Just brushes off the hand. <laughs> oh, it's countless, countless times of one. Countless. I know it's like John Cena over here, just brushing off the shoulders, just like drop elbow. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Yeah, it's 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 really addicting. Like when it first came out, I stayed up for most of the night to get that first place win because I was so frustrated. I kept coming like second, third, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to bed until I get that first place win. And it's just it's that addicting factor of like I have to play better. I have just to one win. more. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember like when it came out, I was traveling for an event in San Francisco and I remember downloading it on the hotel internet and then having to call the front desk like three different times because the internet kept going out. I was like, come on, guys. I got 99 other players I got to keep playing against. Come on, I got 99 players and you ain't one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, that was my fun little experience with the game. But it's just so unique, like how you could take the basic rules of Tetris and bend it around to some sort of aspect of multiplayer and stress relief. And Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, even something that you don't really expect. I mean, did anybody really expect Tetris effect to come from the guys who made res, you know, right. (laughs) Even Tetris 99 is kind of interesting because it was made by Arika who did uh, Tetris, the grandmaster. And so there's kind of some of that element in it as well, which Mm -hmm. I think is kind of cool. And then, yeah, like Tetris uh, effect with the Mizuguchi and res, that's a surprise. So like Tetris has all of these, I don't know if I would say like artistic qualities to it where every version kind of feels distinct, even though it is the same core game. That's always kind of like, you know, again, like the amazing part of like Tetris is just, you know, again, like just how it appeals to everyone. I feel like I think I think that is like it's malleable kind of like, I don't know, strength really in in terms of like, you know, being able to, you know, to, you know, to really like appeal to like a lot of different people of like different like skills and, you know, it doesn't matter what gender you are and everything because as far as I know, the Tetraminos don't have, you know, have any like gender or race to them or, you know, or like religious creed or anything like that. Unless you're playing Puyo Puyo Tetris. Oh, really? They made the Tetraminos into characters in Puyo Puyo Tetris. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they made them into the characters. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I guess not always, but in most cases, anyway, most the Tetraminos cases, are, yes, yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and we do have some, uh, some list of responses here that we want, that we want to get into here as well, um, from some Tetris fans. Uh, we'll start off here actually with, uh, our buddy Alex McCumbers, uh, here. So, uh, he says, watching any Tetris tournament, that, and there are a couple of excellent Tetris documentaries as well. So I was asking about what these Tetris documentaries were, and, um, he mentions Ecstasy of Order, um, there's Pajor Adam who mentions Tetris for Joseph and, uh, Paul Fogarty who mentions Tetris from Russia with love. 
Um, so Morgan, I, I'm not sure if you're like uh, familiar at all with any of these documentaries. I am. So I actually interviewed uh, one of the people behind Ecstasy of Order uh, for the Tetris website. Um, definitely a really great, I have watched it a couple different times. And uh, yeah, I just like how it kind of chronicles the process of like classic Tetris and like the goal of like getting a max out and all of those kinds of things. Um, I haven't seen any of the other ones mentions um but i have seen another really good kind of not documentary but documentary style uh from the gaming historian on youtube about tetris that's actually really really good oh okay i recommend very cool very cool the uh, next person uh, who left a comment here uh, tony dylan he says timeless i was first introduced to it by a then girlfriend's little sis in 1989 on her new game boy and have been playing various versions on various consoles ever since uh, then there's Steve Watkins, who says, I love the Cascade variation, but they've only put it in one Tetris game, Tetris Worlds. So, uh, so Morgan, uh, have you played uh, the Cascade variation in uh, Tetris Worlds? I have not. I need to. It's actually on my list of things, because I, I definitely want to play every single version of Tetris. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like a, a, a good goal to have, because I'll never stop playing it. But I definitely have heard some really interesting about Tetris Worlds and just how different it feels. So, yeah, I definitely need to get that. If you had to, like, only pick, I guess, one Tetris game to ever play, which one would that be? Like, which specific version? Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> it's like picking your children, I know. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really difficult. Um, I guess lately it's really been Tetris 99 for me. Like, mm. just no game has really sucked me into playing nonstop for, like, four or five hours straight every single night, like Tetris 99. It's not competitive edge in you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't stop. I legitimately can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I may have a problem. <laughs> I may need an intervention at some point for Tetris 99, yeah. Yeah. I see Tetraminos in my sleep every night. <laughs> you can send, that, send her a copy of Battletoads. Be like, deal with that. Like, this right. Isn't Tetris? This isn't Tetris at all. No, no. <laughs> uh, go through withdrawal in that case. But um, And uh, the last comment uh, here, surprisingly, actually, uh, from the International Museum of Art and Gaming and Interactive Creations. Uh, they, they commented here uh, saying Commodore 64 Tetris with the guitar soundtrack. Best Tetris Evar, fight us. <laughs> so, uh, some strong opinions there. Uh, so, Robert, I'll ask you, actually, have you played the Commodore 64 Tetris at all? Well, I have not. Uh, but then again, there are a few versions that I missed out on here. Missed, missed out on here. Um, for instance, I never played the Sega Genesis version of Tetris until the Sega Genesis Mini came out last year. Oh, right. It was, it was, yeah, it was included with that, too, right? Yeah, it was. It was like one of the bonus games. Like, it had never seen light of day in the U.S. here. And, it, you know, it's not a complicated version. It's one player, but it is pretty cool. And I'm sure that the Commodore 64 version is pretty cool, but I don't know if it's going to get a re-release. Yeah, because, I mean, there was the C64 Mini uh, that I believe came out, but I don't remember if that came out with uh, with its own Tetris. I don't I think it did. Yeah, it did come out with a lot of different games. I don't think Tetris was one of them, but uh, that's definitely one I'm going to have to check out, and especially that soundtrack. So um, I might look into adding that into the episode somehow. But <laughs> uh, if it is as rad as you say it is, International Museum of Art and Gaming and Interactive Creations, <laughs> if that is your real name. <laughs>
So uh, thank you everyone for uh, for sharing your favorite Tetris memories and games and all that stuff. So definitely a lot of fun ones there. And Rob, I believe you have a game code to give away, actually. Yes, sir. I have a code to give away here for Blazing Beaks on Steam. Uh, this is a roguelite in which too much greediness can be fatal. It's a colorful world with armed birds blazing their way through piles of mutants, monsters, and creepy creatures. It's a fun little top-down adventure, and if that is definitely your speed, then this is the code for you. It is 4TNX0 GZJ3D L2DBC, and that is for Blazing Beaks on Steam, and enjoy, and if you do redeem it, let us know at twitter.com slash argpodcast. Indeed, and I uh, just want to give a quick shout-out here to our patrons who are $2 and up, uh, Francisco Limas, John Blanco, Mac the Ball, Michael Butler, and Rosaline Delo Russo. So thank you, everyone, for helping support the show, and if you, too, would also like to support the show, you can check us out at patreon.com slash argcast. I did actually just release an exclusive video uh, talking about what are the aspects that make a great video game film. This obviously ties in with the Sonic the Hedgehog review I submitted last week. So if you guys want to check that out. And uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, because um, I know you're coming out with weekly videos, actually, that we're adding into the Patreon there. So if you are a patron, you get those exclusive videos. So definitely check those out. And, uh, you know, if you are a patron and if you're not a patron, then definitely become a patron so you can check them out. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, Robert, I think there was like something else you wanted mentioned here oh yeah there was like a pax east yeah. with sony right <laughs> uh, we were we were going to talk about our pax east plans and everything uh, obviously we have big plans ahead but sony is not going to be involved um they are not bringing the last of us part two they are actually canceling their presence at the show due to the coronavirus that's making the rounds uh, obviously there's no confirmed con- cases in boston or anything like that but they are playing it safe with their employees i know a lot of people are upset about that and that doesn't leave a rather big space in the show floor which i'm sure the pax crew will fill out one way or another but but, it's a big space you know, to fill out, though, for sure. It, it is. And, you know, it is sad that Tony's not attending. But, you know, with, with that coronavirus making the rounds, I mean, better safe than sorry. They need their whole team in regards to, you know, setting up the PlayStation 5 and the games that are going to come out. And I'm sure we'll have another opportunity to play Last of Us Part 2 somewhere else. And let's be honest, you know, it's going to be a busy show. I mean, I've taken a look at my schedule and I'm already ridiculously booked. <laughs> especially with the uh, Bethesda Game Days event that's happening next door. That's happening once again at MJ O'Connor's. They'll have 20-minute Doom Eternal demos, so I'll be there for at least three hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it is sad that Sony's not attending, but, uh, I mean, there's going to be more than enough to do. My question is what Nintendo's going to do, because that's they're probably going to have, like, an Animal Crossing village. <laughs> they probably will, actually. I yeah. would be surprised. You know, and a lot of people are going to dwell there, because there are a lot of people who love animal crossing like morgan loves tetris like (laughs) (laughs) you know so uh, i'm eager to see what they have but yeah sony you you will be missed but yes we still love you yeah i mean it was funny too actually because while we were like recording here i got a text from my mom actually um who apparently heard about the news as well because she asked me will sony pulling out affect you (laughs) (laughs) it's like it won't affect me professionally but it will affect me emotionally for sure not having the last of us two in there (laughs) but uh, but like it's fine, it's all good. So yeah. Well, anyway, guys, um, we are going to be at PAX East. Uh, we are actually doing our pre-show next week to talk about like uh, what we're going to do with the show, what we're looking forward to, and all that. But obviously, one thing that you want to see—the re- main reason we have Morgan on our show—number one, she's a great friend, and number two, because she'll be hosting the 35 Years of Tetris panel that'll take place Sunday, March 1st, at two o'clock p.m. at the Albatross Theater. It'll have her. It'll have David. It'll have Jeremy Parrish, who we've had on the show previously. Brendan Groom with Past the Controller and Chris Souza with Pixel River PR and surprises and Tetris music and all that. So go to that panel because yeah. it is going to be cool. And Morgan's suit. 
You know? And Morgan Sue, yeah, you gotta come for Morgan Sue <laughs> the, at the, the very Taylor, least. The Taylor fitted suit. <laughs> <laughs> um so Morgan, uh what what can you tell us also you know about, you know, about like the panel so you know so everyone gets hyped up to go see it? The panel is gonna be talking about uh all things Tetris, obviously. It's gonna be kind of going over different versions of Tetris. It's gonna be going over interesting stories about Tetris. Uh Tetris as an esport, like talking about that with like not just classic Tetris world championships, but in the future, what potential like for Tetris to grow as an esport because of the interest. Um and then yeah, it's gonna have some jokes, it's gonna have some fun, it's gonna have some boom Tetris for Jeff. Um <laughs> all of that, all of that good stuff. Awesome, yeah, and um, it's going to be uh, streamed, I believe, as well on the main uh, PAX Twitch channel, right? It is, so if you aren't at PAX, but you love Tetris and you want to check out the panel, it will be streamed to the official PAX uh, Twitch. And your suit will be seen from everyone of all around the globes. <laughs> I am very, very nervous, yes. <laughs> oh, you'll be fine. I mean, just just make sure you press it every night. <laughs> <laughs> It should be a lot of fun, though, for sure. But yeah, we, we definitely look forward to hanging before the panel as well. That'll be a lot of fun. I think that's one of the other reasons we're going to PAX is because we connect with so many great people out there. It, it's just a fun show with a lot of people that we know and everything. So if you see us, high five us. Well, you know, wash your hands, then high five us. Right, right. Fun. You don't want the coronavirus going around anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that is Arcast episode 195 in the books. And uh, Morgan, where can people go in order to find you online? Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I do a lot of uh, really cool stuff on the website Indie Obscura. Um, really cool site if you love indie games. I also write for allgamers.com, which is a site under HyperX. Um, I have some articles up on Tetris.com that I've done that are strange but interesting. Uh, and then I post a lot of weird stuff on Twitter. So if you like Twitter, uh, it's at author underscore M Shaver. Uh, lots of cat memes, lots of gifts, all this stuff. I do want to talk about this. She just posted a video looking back at videos oh, she no. did like a decade ago. <laughs> and there's this there's this one clip that's amazing. It's dancing Jesus. Oh no. I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> no, it's 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 absolutely great. Your reaction just sells it. That's why you should go follow her on Twitter because you get great videos <laughs> like that. And you get Tim Tim gameplay clips like Okay, what the heck is a Tim Tim? You know, that sort of deal. It, mm. it, these, are, yeah. these are great clips. So it's educational as well as entertaining in this case. Yeah. It really yeah. is. You I, never know what you're going to get. I never <laughs> wanted to post a Buddy Christ gif. It's so badly in my life until I saw that. I'd be like, yep, that's going up. <laughs> Boom. For sure, for sure. And uh, if you want to follow ArcCast on Twitter, we are at ArcPodcast. Same thing on Facebook, facebook.com slash ArcPodcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at TheGuiltyMan. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash TheDCD. And if you are showing stuff at PAX East, I will be representing the show for my good friends over there at PCInvasion.com. So please reach out, reach out to me at twitter.com slash TheDCD. If you got something cool for me to see or you want to high-five me, Again, please wash your hands first. Then high five me. And if you have any food, that's great too. And if you'd like to send us any feedback, opinions, retro games, or topics for us to cover, or anything at all really, you can email us at ardcast at retrozap.com. And be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts. It's your home away from home if you're crazy about Star Wars, Animaniacs, or pop culture in general. There's also us with Ardcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes to subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music, so there's absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. 
All right, that is episode number 195 in the books. Until next time, keep it retro. Remember, next week we will have a pre-PAX East show, and then we will be doing stuff at the show, including interviews and perhaps even a live taping. I'm sure we've done, we got one of those in the works as well. Although, I promise you, I will not have my Battletoads suit ready in time. <laughs> Although there is a Battletoads hoodie that just became available. I don't know if you saw that for Fangamer. I, I did. You know, my birthday is coming up, David. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you really want to just take care of me there, that, that's really cool. Well, Always the opportunist. <laughs> you got to take advantage there. But uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Catch you later. Hi, I'm Chris Penwell from ActiveQuest. And I'm Joseph Yaden. We are a video game podcast that takes a deep dive into the news, covering the latest gaming trends and stories pertaining to the industry. We also do our best to cover the most recent games and like to have an ongoing discussion with the audience. You can contact us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow or via email at ActiveQuestPodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. We appreciate you listening, everyone. And now, on to the show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.